this is Brian, the Upper Radio host. And you are listening to Brian's. I'm the radio show host for The Uproar. And I would like to ask some people some questions around here, if you don't mind. I would like to start with you. Oh, God. Okay. (laughs) All right. um, So, you ready? Yeah. So, what's your name? My name's Alex. Alex. Yarbrough. I like that. It's a very nice name. Thank you. What's your major? Health science. Health science. Mm-hmm, with and a minor in Spanish. Ooh, I might need your help on a <laughs> Spanish test or something like that. Um, so, what's your what's your classification? I'm a senior. That's fine. That's mm-hmm. fine. So, I want to start off by asking you this question right here. When I say status quo, what comes to mind? Um, I guess people being familiar with you. I think of basically like, uh, I guess the established order and like some kind of society like the rules and regulations pretty much okay okay what's your name alfonso dicer okay it's nice to meet you bro my name is brian all right nice to meet you um what's your classification well, i'm a senior ah that's nice that's nice yeah. finally gonna be out of here huh yeah 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 uh my first question is when i say status quo when you hear that phrase what comes to mind the first thing that comes to mind is High School Musical. Good. Um, <laughs> um, high School Musical. After that, just kind of like following what everybody else is doing, regardless of whether or not it's something that you actually want to do or who you want to be. That's a very good answer. So, so what aspect of this status quo like rubs you the wrong way? Uh, when people are conceited. Mm. Mm-hmm. You feel like that's the norm? People are conceited around here? Maybe not the norm, but like when people are, like that really gives a bad vibe yeah. for their status quo. Like that you have to necessarily, when it comes to like things like politics, that you have to, I guess, identify with either a party or some ideology. I'm like, you know, because both ways right now are so good. I just think it's like, I feel like just believe what you believe in. For just sure. like don't follow one, one side or the other. What society expects you to do? So that's that's the way that you challenge it. Mm-hmm. Um, you just believe what you want to and yeah. disregard. Create your mm-hmm. own set of beliefs. Don't let anybody tell you what to do. Yeah. And I really appreciate it. What's your name? Uh, Travis. Travis. It's nice to meet you, Travis. I'm Brian. Mm-hmm. I don't like the standards. Can you be a little bit more specific? Like, just how like people would expect you to be mm-hmm. or look a certain way. Just, just just looking at you, they would just assume things about you. Yeah. Or if you're not a certain way, they judge you. So, what assumptions do you come across the most? Um, I guess the most basic one would be that I'm a basketball player because I'm tall. Oh yeah. I mean, I played basketball for two weeks and then I quit. So. <laughs> that's fire. That's fire. That. Um, honestly, uh. I guess a lot with like, you know, the police brutality thing going on yeah. and how um, the status quo so far has been basically, um, they get basically a slap on the wrist yeah. and that's just about it. And, uh, you know, I just feel like they aren't held accountable as much as they should be. Not and I feel like that's the, sca- the status quo, kind of the trend going on right now. And uh, I know people don't want to say that. And people aren't going to articulate that, but that's basically like what the the actions have been showing. You've done a really good job at articulating that. So I guess what's really fired that I'm I'm more so worried about is how do you challenge the status quo? I ignore it. Ah, you ignore it. No action other than that. I just feel like if I let things influence me by being around them, that means that becomes me. For I just sure. Follow my own path. Well. 
I think even my major, my two major choices describe that I just have a lot of different interests and I choose to devote my time to people and those interests like making sure that I'm around the so-called nerds or the so-called jocks or the so-called theater geeks and spending time with those who I want to be around learning about the things that I want to learn about. So how do you challenge it in your everyday life? I probably with like my fashion like what I wear mm -hmm. I try not to like wear what everybody else is wearing just like what makes me comfortable what I feel cute in and like not worry about like what other people are doing that's tight that's tight I really like that so what are you doing to challenge that status quo that you that you see yeah so I I think what I am doing better I guess essentially is helping people and giving you know a really positive vibe and making students happy on campus that's fire that's fire that's that's love and light yeah of i really respect that <laughs> thank you well this nerve-wracking interview is over with no right it's now. not nerve-wracking <laughs> i'm about to go and bother some other people okay. point, point me at somebody like who do you think i should go to next my loves my listeners today 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 i'm so excited i can't <laughs> i don't know what to do with myself I have Dr. Benjamin Baker of CSU's Communications Department here in the studio with me, and I need y'all to give him a round of applause. Please, please, please. Oh, please, enough. Please, stop, <laughs> stop, 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 stop. Okay, so Dr. Baker, he has a focus in communication studies, and the concentration is research and identity, and identity and relationships to be specific. You can imagine that in today's context, this is going to be very valuable because we are talking about challenging the status quo. And this is really revolving around identity. Everything that we believe ourselves to know, everything we believe ourselves to be. It either is on the on the side of the status quo or on on it's conflicting. So today we're gonna make some make some sense of all of this if possible. See what I can see what I can make happen for you all. So, Dr. Baker, how are you doing today, first and foremost? I'm I'm doing well. Thank you so much. And and I really do appreciate you having me in and thank you for that. I think that the conversation that we're gonna have based on some of the things we've talked about beforehand, I hope will be informative and maybe enlightening for some people. And as you said previously, you know, somebody can get something out of it and maybe have a different perspective on things, a different view. Mm -hmm. uh, not always easy to do, but I think that's so much of what we try to do in the classroom too, right? And it's not always going to hit every single time, but but that's kind of the goal. So, you know, I'm excited to sort of get into it and, and talk with you. I have faith in your magic. I really do. So I took a course, I think it was last spring, right before the coronavirus started to kick off. Mm -hmm. It was the Community Advocacy and Dialogue course. Are you still teaching that course? Um, I am. It's one of those courses, as many of our courses are, sort of comes on, comes off. And depending on the semester, um, we're not. I'm not teaching it this semester, but mm -hmm. I think it may be scheduled for this upcoming spring. If not, then it'll be then again in the fall. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. So can you give us a summary of what it is about? Yeah, it's, you know, it's an interesting course. And it, as I said previously because you had talked about how, you know, my focus tends to be on relationships and identity and, and I, I teach classes like uh, family comm and interpersonal communication. Traditionally, this was one of those courses where it was like, we need someone to teach it and hey, you know, would you be interested? 
And so I think as, as teachers, we like to challenge ourselves and say, what can I bring to this course potentially, even though it's a little bit outside of my comfort zone. And so that was sort of the mentality going in. And I spoke with people who had taught it previously and basically decided that what we would try and do, especially in when you took it that spring was have a conversation overall about how we can engage with the community and community leaders and with members of our communities and, and do so in a way that tries to rise above so much of the anger and the disagreements as you probably remember in the course, one of the central concepts that we talk about is the fact that we live in this argument culture. And I mean, we see this all the time, right? We see it in our personal lives, but especially on social media and on, you can't tune into a news show without, it's just, it's less about um, how can we come to a consensus? How can we bridge these gaps and do what's best for the people who especially need it in our communities? And instead it sort of falls back on, well, how can I win? You know, it's, it's winning and it's losing. And ultimately what happens when we're in that space, I think, is everyone loses because we never really move forward. We never really progress. And so I know that maybe sounds, I hope that doesn't sound too profound or too, but I, I think that's kind of at the core of what the course is and exploring not just what the argument culture is, but then also, well, how do we get there? How do we find ourselves in this place that we feel like we can't get past things? Trying to understand the fact that we have disagreements and where do those disagreements come from our beliefs and our hierarchy and how we rank things and you might rank something a little bit more important to you than to me and then again we're just sort of always dealing with these differences and then finally hopefully the course really focuses again on advocacy how can we rise above those types of things and in that first time that i taught it thankfully we were still in person until the coronavirus hit and so we were able to actually go out and work with a local food bank. Feeding the Valley. Feeding the Valley. Gosh, you were a good student. <laughs> um, yeah, we were able to work with Feeding the Valley, which is responsible for feeding, you know, just huge amounts of people in our area here in Columbus. And the goal being, how can we tie what we're talking about in class potentially into some of those things? And then as we were approaching the end of the semester, because I still wasn't really sure exactly what the final project was going to be, it turned out that we were then going to try and take what we learned and try and create a campaign for the, the CSU food bank. Mm. And we were going to have an event and we were going to have drones fly by and take video and, you know, all that fun stuff that's available. And then everything got shut down. So unfortunately we, we weren't able to do that. So we sort of had to shift a little bit. And since then, because we haven't really been able to have that class in person, the shift has been more asking students to choose an organization that they're interested in, a community organization having them examine what their messaging is and again, sort of matching that up. So if it would be boys and girls club or the black lives matter movement or something like that, mm -hmm. students then taking again, so that how can we match these course concepts with what this organization is currently doing? And then where would you like to see them go in the future? And so hopefully that would be a rewarding experience for, for a student is, and that they get to choose their own. The goal ultimately though, is you, when we have it in person again, would certainly be to have more of that, actual community engagement with us as a class, whether it would be feeding the valley or, you know, working with a local elementary school to help mentoring or tutoring or things like that. Because there are so many different organizations in our community that I think would benefit from us. And then I think part of that whole service learning project stuff is just being able to go out in again the community and, and apply what we're learning. Yes. So it's not just 
talking. Exactly. Not not just um, monologue, but dialogue, like you said to me, and interpersonal calm. And this is why it is important to explore, you know, to create those environments where there is a conversation, mm -hmm. you know, and not just talking at someone and and indulging in the argument culture. And that's something that I really appreciated about the goal of the course. Mm -hmm. And something that it taught me was how to apply all of this knowledge that we're receiving from you all in here. You know, knowledge is nothing without applications. I really appreciated it for that. So what do you call someone who challenges the status quo? Is there a special name you got in mind? Yeah, when I saw that question, I really, I really thought long and hard about that. Um, because I, th I think we can sort of look at that from some different perspectives. There are those, I think, that challenge the status quo because they believe in what they're doing and they believe in rising up and, and raising the voices of those who maybe are oftentimes marginalized for a variety of reasons that are underprivileged in our society at an institutional level. And then I was thinking about it from sort of maybe a more cynical perspective, which is there are, of course, those who maybe we would refer to as, as trolls. I don't mm. do much social media stuff online, but, you know, someone who decides I'm going to challenge the status quo because it's going to make me stand out or I just like to be contrarian and I just like to say no when someone else says yes. And so I think that there is this fine line between sort of those who do it for a, a virtuous reason and those who maybe do it for attention in a way. Now, that said, I think that if I were to sort of look at an individual who is challenging the status quo and willing to put their, their privilege on the line and all these different types of things that they would lose potentially for challenging the status quo, I, I came down on the word inspirational. Mm. I think that's probably the biggest thing for me because then it becomes someone who's trying to lead something, someone who's trying to actually lead a movement um, and change the way things are and change the status quo and hopefully for good. It's, it's really not about them at all. And right, hopefully right. In, in their minds, it's not about me. It's about what I can do. And so then I inspire one person or two people and then that becomes 10 people and that becomes a hundred, a thousand, and then it becomes maybe a movement. Right. And right, we see right. how things spread in that way and, and hopefully in a positive way and, and in a nonviolent way. And, and so, and then it inspires someone else to say, I can be a part of this. I can do something about this. I can take action. And and maybe it's a part of this original movement. Maybe it's something else. But to me, like inspiration or inspirational is what I look, what I would personally look for when I'm looking at someone who is challenging the status quo. Okay. Inspiration inspires. <laughs> Indeed. So it's not about what we call someone then is what you're saying. It's not about what we call the people who challenge the status quo, but it's about how they challenge it. It's about walking the walk, not talking the talk. So from your perspective, is clinging to the status quo easier than going against it? Yeah, you know, I think in a lot of ways it is. The status quo and whatever that is, right? I think the status quo can be so many different things in so many different situations, and it mm -hmm. depends on what we're talking about, whether it's it's the, the way that the culture is situated politically, educational, financially, whatever it is, right? There are so many different sort of, this is the way things are. Yeah, it's definitely easier to stay with the status quo because, and especially if you are one of the people who's privileged to have power and have wealth and have all those different things in that status quo. Yeah. I mean, 
Yeah, it's 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 great, right? I'm I, I'm if I'm in part of the the privileged group, I'm on top of everything. Why would I want to let that go? And it's easier just to stay there. That's why I think it's it's ultimately so important for those who have privileges to recognize their privilege, whether it's white privilege or heterosexual privilege, gender privilege, you know, on and on. And I don't want to leave out any of the privileges, but financial privilege to really say, okay, I've been given this gift of the status quo in a way, being a part of the status quo, I think is that privilege, that gift and reflecting on that and saying, well, then how can I start to use what I've been given to, again, like raise someone else up who doesn't have that same privilege, who doesn't have access to the same things that I have access to for a variety of reasons, but how can I use what I've been given for good? Even though, as you point out, it might not be easy and I might lose things, but that's, I think, at the core of sort of being someone who challenges that status quo. Very profound. Thank you so much for that answer. So you referenced um, status quo and privilege sort of interchangeably. Are they similar um, one in the same, maybe? You know, again, I think it depends on how we're defining status quo yeah. and what we're talking about specifically. But off the top of my head, yeah, I think this, the status quo, institutional power, uh, you know, uh, those who have had a power for so long that are sitting in that place, that are sitting in that status quo, that are comfortable with where things are while other people suffer for, again, a variety of different reasons. I think I probably would tend to equate status quo with with privilege in a lot of ways. And I think when we start to think, well, what is the status quo and is it really beneficial for all? We're starting to think about things like privilege. Okay. Okay. So we're about to get to the nitty gritty of oh it all. Oh boy. Now there's two sides of a coin, you know, mm. and I've learned that it's, it's good to be optimistic. It's great to be optimistic, but optimism wouldn't exist without pessimism. <laughs> Love wouldn't exist without hate. These are two sides of the same story. And when you look at the positive and the negative, you got to be very critical um, if you want to understand it in the most objective way possible. So with that being said, what is the cost of just going with what's easy. Hmm. Going with the status quo. Yeah. And well, embracing the privilege of it all. Well, I think I think Boy, that's a that's a that's a broad question, my friend. Um and it's a tough one, but it's a good one. I think the cost of going with the status quo. And again, I I guess I'm as long as I, I just sort of where I'm approaching it from. I'm approaching this from sort of recognizing that there are sort of, again, things like institutional racism and so many different aspects that that hold people down in so many different ways. Uh, I, think, I think the cost of reinforcing those institutions and not reflecting means that we perpetuate, again, suffering, we perpetuate marginalization, we perpetuate women not being able to have access to affordable reproductive care. We yeah. reinforce cultural segregation, even if even if actual segregation is outlawed. We sort of have this monitoring of this culture is okay and this isn't. There, we we reinforce heteronormative values that that 
uh, to be straight is normal and everything else isn't. We in in my family com class, right? Sort of saying, well, this is what a family looks like, quote unquote. Yeah, yeah. This is a traditional family: um, a man and a woman married with two kids, and they live together and they're comfortable. And and I think then what we do is we push all those identities that don't fit neatly into those categories to the side. And when we push people to the side, not only does it affect them personally, but it certainly can affect them academically, professionally, again, in healthcare, in, in financially, all these different ways that people are sort of held down. And, and that to me, again, if we're sort of equating status quo with, with privilege and with institutional marginalization, then that is the cost. Ultimately, we, we, we don't let other voices be heard. We don't let other identities be seen and talked about in a way that doesn't demonize them yeah. and things like that. So, and you know, I'm saying this as a straight white dude. So I, I, I try to at least understand, I try to, uh, and I'm not perfect and, and I, none of us are, but understand that I do have all of these privileges I've been given and what, what then can I do with that? I will tell you that I'm not happy with the status quo. Yeah. You know, I, I look at everything around me and I go, I'm not saying the world would be perfect if we made some changes, but man, it sure could be a lot better and a lot more fair and a lot more equal and supportive and loving and caring and all those things if we just changed our approach in some different ways. So so you set me up. You set me up so well. I was about to ask, is there any aspect of the status quo that bothers you? So you sort of answered that. So how are you challenging it in your personal everyday life? Yeah, and I think that... That's tough because I think we always want to do more, you know, especially if we really believe in challenging the status quo and challenging those privileges. You know, we can do things, of course, like volunteer local organizations. Mm -hmm. I do think so much of what we can do in challenging the status quo and challenging those institutions is at such a what may seem like a, a basic level, but it's really not. I think going out into the community and volunteering or donating to causes that we really care about, if we can spare a little bit here and there, having those conversations with the people that we care about, someone who is otherwise uneducated or miseducated on something. And I, you know, we never want to use the word stupid or they're just they're Maybe they just haven't been exposed to this particular way of thinking. Right, right. And we know that if we have that conversation with a really good friend and we sort of make them feel less than they're certainly not going to change their mind. Right. right? So we, we want to do it in a way that, and this kind of gets back to the community class. We want to do it in a way that's respectful saying, you know, you have your perspective. I have mine. So let's just, if you're willing, let's talk about it. Let's, let's have a conversation. One of the, if I can go off just for a little bit here, one of the things that popped into my head too is in my, I'm, I'm teaching gender, sex, and communication this fall, which has been so I love that course uh, and where, again, I think we do hopefully try and challenge a lot of the status quo ideas about gender and Definitely. sexual identity. Great class. Great class. Thank you. Yeah. And it's, it's a lot of, it's, I, I love teaching it too, but one of the concepts that always sticks out to me in there is traitorous identity. Mm -hmm. And we oftentimes think of traitors as, as obviously being negative, right? We don't want to betray, but in this particular way, it's actually challenging the status quo because it's basically to sort of set up a, a very basic scenario. You know, a bunch of guys are sitting around in a dorm room and we know what sort of masculine male culture is. And, and one of the, the guys says something that's really misogynistic or really sexist um, or really gross about, you know, women or something like that. 
And so it would then be up to one of the other people who's sitting in that room to sort of enforce that traitorous or, or perform that traitorous identity and say, hey, that's not okay. We can't talk like that anymore. And, and here's why that's wrong, right? We can't objectify women in this way. We can't talk about things like that in that way. And I think that is also a big part of how we can challenge the status quo just in our everyday lives. I mean, yeah, there are the big performative things, right? There are the, the rallies and the marches and the donating and the volunteering. And those are all, of course, huge and, and signing petitions and, and voting certain ways. But, but I think so much of what we can do is just in those everyday experiences and those conversations that we have and saying, you know, no, that th this is not okay. It's not okay to, to say this transphobic comment. It's not okay to say that racist comment. It's not okay to say whatever it might be. And, and again, here's why. And, and, and that that person just, just maybe had a second to think and go, oh, okay, now I can see why that would, you know, would I talk that way to my, my parents or would yeah, I talk yeah. that way to my mom or, or someone walking down, you know, that my, one of my good friends or something like that. I probably wouldn't because I care about that person. Well, somebody else, you may not know them, but you should have that same level of, of care. Right. Um, so again, I know that's a sort of a long winded way of saying it, but I, I really do think that there's so much of like the, the, the interpersonal, the, the, the experiences we have every day that can challenge the status quo in ways that we maybe not don't even realize for right away. But then down the line, that person then who was stood up to in that moment, then they'll, do the same thing. And that right. gets back to that whole inspiring thing, right? Where it's now I have that in the back of my head. It's not okay for me to say this. If somebody else says that thing. Now I'm going to check them too. So all in all creating positive habits of change by being and performing that traitorous identity mm -hmm. activity, it's like taking time for small protests in a sense and walking the walk, you know, and I, I think another big part of it too, when someone realizes that they've done something that we would say is wrong, is socially unacceptable, is is not to belittle them, right? right? And if they're willing to say, okay, I said this horrible thing, this thing that I will maybe regret for the rest of my life, but I now know that it's, I shouldn't have said that. And I know that that's wrong. And I wasn't, to move on from that, like we can all learn as much as, I, you know, I think we detest things like, again, racism and, and, and transphobia and and all, all the different phobias and, and, and horrible things that exist in our society. If someone is like honestly willing to be like, okay, I made a mistake. We can move on from this now. Now I want to be educated. Yeah. I think we have to allow for that space too. Yes. Yes. Um, and, and I think so much, so many times we do want to, and I'm not saying that there shouldn't be consequences at all. Right. Trust me. People should be held accountable for the things that they do and that they say, but if they are willing to move past that, we should give them that space. I think. Because then that just inspires, I think, other people who may have been in that space previously as well, that that dark space that is marginalizing people. Maybe they would say, okay, I can make that change too. Right. And so. me and Sho had a conversation the other day about cancel culture and mm -hmm. consequence culture. Mm -hmm. And I believe this is what you're referring to. I definitely believe that I'm really big on accountability. Like, you can ask anybody that I'm around on a regular, like, if you claim you are some way, and that is what expectation I will hold you to if we're just going to keep it frank. You know, we can't really get anywhere if somebody isn't aligning themselves with what they claim to value. Mm -hmm. And that's not productive. So humans are creatures of habit. We love patterns <laughs> and appear to act out cycles just like nature, just like in nature. 
What marginalized concepts or ideas do you see moving to the center or being popular in the future? It's one of those things where as someone who, again, has established that I, I, I have this privilege based on my identity and who I am, it's, not, it's really not for me to say, I don't think, um, as much as it is hopefully for me to support those movements that we do see yeah. coming into the conversation. But, I mean, we look at some of the, the big changes or some of the big movements that have really you know, caught fire over the last few years and, and really have become a part of the public consciousness. We look at things like Black Lives Matter and we look at greater representation of say trans people on TV. And we, yeah. we, we look at how you know, there's the, the Me Too movement online and, and sort of standing up against sexual harassment, sexual assault, and particularly in Hollywood and things like that. And so I, I certainly would never proclaim to be a soothsayer, but I, I think for all the horrible things that the internet, <laughs> internet does, it really does allow in social media, it really does allow for these movements to spread. And when one person says, I've gone through this experience, Again, whether it's racism or, or gender-based discrimination or sexuality-based discrimination, whatever it is, um, somebody else can say, I've gone through that too. And then suddenly you start to form these networks right. and, and these connections between people who find commonplace experiences and sometimes some of the worst commonplace experiences, unfortunately, but that brings people together. And it also brings other people, uh, I think, awareness of, again, there are these horrible assaults that are happening behind closed doors and, and sometimes right out in public and whatever it might be. And so, you know, again, I, I don't, I don't necessarily want to try and predict what's coming into the fold. I think I want to try and be hopeful that we continue to see real change, even taking sort of politics and voting outside of it, but just culturally and socially and what people are exposed to in pop culture and through social media I would just hope that all things related to to feminism and and to again anti-racism and 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 gender acceptance and understanding of the spectrum and and sexual identity and all of those different th things that are so often marginalized we will continue to have all of those conversations and we don't and I think that's the other thing too is we don't just have to have one at a time yeah. right? we can have conversations across identities intersectionality exists that's it that's you're, it you're right not just one thing when you, when you walk out the door in the morning, you're not just a, a male, right? You're, you're also maybe a son. You're also maybe a brother. You're also a, a particular a racial or ethnic identity and a sexuality and a gender and all these different things. And I think, again, that realizing that we are that intersectional being helps us have those cross conversations. So in one of my prior courses with Dr. Bruce Getz, I learned about the seven secrets about the media they quote unquote don't want you to know and secret number three was my favorite one out of all of them um and that's basically what the concept of this episode was built around everything from the margin moves to the center anything that was once popular will be unpopular and anything that wasn't popular will be popular one day with this in mind while it may be impossible to determine what is coming, do you think at least the pace of marginal ideas moving to the center has become faster because of maybe social media or the internet or anything like that? Wow, that's a great question. First, shout out to Dr. Getz, who's not only an amazing teacher, but also just one of the nicest human beings you'll ever meet. Truly. Not being someone who has studied media extensively, I think 
you know, a lot of times people sort of think, and understandably so, that communication or communication studies sort of lines up a lot with like mass media and stuff. Yeah. And they're really kind of two different things, or at least there's some space in there, but that's not really been my focus. So I'm saying this more just from my own perspective right, right. And, and sort of my being 37 years old now and, <laughs> and what I've seen, um, I think, yeah, I do. I mean, I do think that those marginalized issues do seem to be moving faster as far as the discussions that we have in cultural awareness of things. Um, I, I think back to, you know, when I was growing up in the 90s, I'm a 90s kid, I guess you could say, and I would have never anticipated seeing the representation that we see and seeing the discussions that we have, whether it's on the news or, or on social media or whatever it is, or in, or in TV shows and movies and, and all that stuff. So I, I very cautiously, maybe optimistically would say that it feels like because we have access to these different forms of communication now and because these movements can be created, and unfortunately, obviously, that also means that there's some some negative movements, quite a few as well, but that these positive movements can be created in a, a fairly rapid way and, and networks can be formed fairly quickly because of access to the communication technology we have. Mm -hmm. Again, cautiously optimistic that we will continue to see more rapid discussions of things that in the past were, were just not talked about. Um, that's my, I get, I think that's my hope anyway. I can see it coming to fruition. Let's manifest, manifest love. <laughs> Amen. We seek to obtain a comforting sense of survival as humans, an illusion of control in a reality where the only thing we can control is the way we choose to interpret the information we receive. So what do you have to say to those that cling to the status quo as a means of survival or comfort? Well, first I would say I, I understand. It makes sense. You know, we, mm -hmm. as human beings, we like what's comfortable. So much of the world is chaotic and so much we don't have control over. And even if we like to feel like we have the illusion of control, it gives, I think it gives us comfort. Right. Again, sort of coming from that place of, I understand that it's, that it's, it's, it's comfortable. Maybe just start small and, and start, just really think about getting back to, to privilege. And I know for some people that's a dirty word, but I think it is an important <laughs> way to describe things. Really think about, again, we talked about intersectionality. Think about all the different aspects of who, who you are, what you are, the communities you're a part of, the conversations that you're a part of. Think of the ways that you have been privileged in those areas. And then think of the ways that you maybe have been marginalized. Right. Even if you have all of the privileges we, we think about ostensibly in society, there's probably been some times when you haven't felt great about something. You felt somebody cut you down and, and didn't let you have that space and made fun of a certain aspect of your identity, you know, now, now start to think of all the other identities out there that may feel that way and may feel that way on a more consistent basis yeah. and think about how maybe the status quo, the privilege is the, the concept, the phenomena that's holding that person down. And if we can, I think just have some more empathy and sympathy for people that even though I may never meet that person, but understanding that their experience is real and that that they have gone through some really tough stuff based on, again, sort of the identities that make them up, I can start to reflect and then I can start to maybe unravel some of the privilege that I have experienced in my life. And I know that some have a lot of privilege and other people have not very much at all, but thinking about maybe where we fit 
relative to that status quo is probably the, the first place to start. Right. And then from there, I think education and conversations, I mean, you know, again, I, I hate to make it sound so basic, but I do think, and hopefully in a, when I say education, I hope, you know, and this is one of the things we often talk about in classes, where are we getting our information from, right? right Not right. seeking out the credible sources, seeking out someone who has experience in a, in a particular movement and maybe reading their book or taking a class if you're lucky enough to be in college or, you know, maybe speaking with a member of the community or something like that. And then going from there. And I think then once we start to understand and enlighten ourselves to the experiences that we personally have never gone through, that opens us up so much. And that's why I think college is such an important part of the growing experience. Now I know college isn't for everyone. And I know that unfortunately many people can't afford college, but I think college is so much more than just what happens in the classroom in so many ways. And that's where a lot of the learning, the book learning happens, but it's also about being exposed to different people and different philosophies and ways of thinking with friends. You get roommates, you hang out with people and that social experience I think is important. And so how can we maybe continue that sort of learning, that social learning, that cultural learning, even after college, or even if I haven't gone to college, how can I sort of engage in that? So is there any advice that you would want to leave or any words of encouragement for your fellow status quo challengers, those that inspire inspiration? Yeah, I think it's, I think the first thing is it's okay to be wrong. It's okay to be imperfect. Yeah. We all are. Uh, one of the, the videos that I post in my, my gender, sex, and comm class, which I would encourage anyone who's listening to go and check out, is the phenomenal scholar Roxane Gay, mm -hmm. who talks about, I am a bad feminist, even though she's a feminist icon. And, you know, you have this person who, in this, this short TED Talk video you can find out on YouTube and things like that, who, you know, basically says, as much as I believe in these different things, about feminism and making equality for all and things like that. Like I still listen to certain songs that degrade women in certain ways. Just one example that she talks about and, and the struggle with that. And I think we all, anyone who wants to challenge the status quo and wants to be an inspiration for other people, they're still going to be fallible and they're still going to have those, those weaknesses. And, you know, again, I think it's okay. As long as we think our, is our heart in the right place? Are we moving ourselves and others towards a good place overall? Can I make some of those small adjustments in my own life? And I think it just does start small. It's okay to just make one or two changes. And then maybe a week down the line, you make another, and then maybe you have a yearly goal or all those different types of things. And maybe I'm going to, I'm going to check out this organization that helps people in my community. And I'm going to maybe volunteer once a month, you know, and just do things like that. And I think that's a good start. Not everyone has to change the world as it is. They can change their world and they can change the world of someone that they know. And it's those, those moments, you know, those small moments of impact that I think are what most of us can aspire to. And that's okay. You know, if you do end up changing the world overall, great. You know, we will remember you in history, but I don't need to be remembered. My name doesn't have to be remembered to challenge the status quo yeah. and to, to inspire, right? It, it, it will be hopefully remembered in the things that I did and the other people that I engaged with you know, and I think that's, that's probably the, the thing that, that I would, I would recommend people just, just think about that. Well, here we are. Everyone's a contradiction. Nobody's perfect. We will never be able to fully align ourselves with what we say, but what inspires growth is your ability to be honest with the fact that you are contradicting yourself. 
I must thank you so much, Dr. Ben Baker, for taking the time and talking with me today. <laughs> it's it's been fuel to the fire and I really can't wait to see what the future holds. You've been so insightful and you've apologized so much and I refuse to accept any of those apologies because it was an amazing interview. I didn't see anything wrong with anything you said. Well, I appreciate that. And again, I appreciate the conversation and I really appreciate your desire to make some change in the world. And I think we can be inspired by what you're doing here. And, and also, you know, other than that, if anyone, whether it's at CSU or, or anywhere else wants to have any of these conversations, uh, Obviously, I would encourage you to maybe take one of my classes. Yes, um, please, but, please. But even outside of that, if you just want to have a chat, you know, I don't. I I have a lovely girlfriend, and I like to play video games. But outside <laughs> of that, I don't have much of a life. So if you just wanted to talk and maybe open my eyes to something else too, I'm here for that. So you know, again, thank you for for giving myself and and your listeners this opportunity to hopefully learn some things and engage in some dialogue. For my listeners, everybody here on the show is available through email. That's all it takes is reaching out one step, one step at a time. And you never know what you'll learn. You never know what you'll gain. And you never know what you have to give. So with that being said, thank you so much for tuning in. Come back next time. Let's connect. Please take care. Love. Thank you. Hey, that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. Please, please, please join us next week for more contemplation. Uproar Radio is produced with the cooperation of the student staff of WCUG Cougar Radio and the CSU Department of Communication. Thank you to Department Chair Dr. Dana Gibson and WCUG Faculty Advisor Dr. Bruce Sketz for their help in airing the show. Show Irokawa. Shout out to my man, produced and edited this episode. Operations Director of WCUG Cougar Radio is Sho Irukawa. Our Programming Manager is Lewis Myers. And Marketing Manager is Logan Swain. You can listen to our show and more online by searching our call letters, WCUG. I'm Bryant, and you've been listening to Upro Radio. Thank you. Take care. Love.